Welcome, welcome. This is Cassandra Austin McDonald with the Grow Through It podcast, where I share my personal life experiences and the stories of others who have grown through life's ups and downs and came out on the other side. Listen in as you may become inspired to evolve into the best version of yourself. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode on the Growth Threat Podcast. I'm your host, Cassandra Austin McDonald. And today I wanted to share with you all what I took away after attending a workshop hosted by Dr. Romani, licensed clinical psychologist and expert on narcissistic abuse and narcissistic personality disorder, the actual NPD diagnosis in the DSM-5 handbook. Um, it was... Woo, y'all, it was jam packed with a lot of information and I needed some time to digest it, let it sink in a bit before going through my notes and just sharing with you all just some key takeaways to support those of you who may be still navigating your own healing journey as it relates to recovering from narcissistic abuse, dysfunctional and toxic relationships. And so specifically, the workshop I attended that Dr. Remini held was regarding gaslighters. And so for those of you who are unfamiliar, the term gaslighting actually came from this movie. Oh my gosh, I think it was in the 1930s. And it was really just depicting the narrative of what happens when a toxic or narcissistic individual is trying to deny someone's reality or experience through deception and things like that. And so in this movie, this individual was doing malicious things in the home with his wife he would like flicker the lights and turn the light off and turn the light on and the wife basically thought she was going mad because he would pretend like he didn't know what she was talking about and that she was just making it up and um really try to convince her that it was all in her head and so that's really where the term gaslighting came from and so it's used wildly inside of the space of uh individuals who are recovering and healing from narcissistic abuse and dysfunctional and toxic relationships. Now, I know I have said quite a few times that in my own work, I don't really talk a whole lot about narcissism and what to look for and things like that. I do here and there, but I don't really focus on that. And so I know some of you may be thinking like, well, why are you sharing with us about this workshop about gaslighters? Well, for one, behind the scenes, when I am working with my clients and my students, uh, not necessarily the word gaslighting comes up, but really just the concept of how to regain self-trust. That is um, one of the areas that I do support clients with who are still in the in the realm of healing, right? Where we're restoring self-trust. And part of the ways that self-trust is broken down is actually through gaslighting. And so I thought it would uh, serve my audience well to hear more about this. Uh, You know, I still stand on letting those who 
actually work with those who have narcissistic personality disorder, share more about those characteristics and traits in that setting so that people can learn from it. But I like to stand in the position of the moving forward in the healing and then actually creating the healthy, loving, thriving relationships that we deeply desire and deserve. And so that's the work that I stand for and that I believe in. Uh, I believe that we all serve a place in this space, right? You know, we, we all need to do our part. And one of the reasons I decided to make such a stand for the work that I do is because I remember where I was in my own journey where I did a tremendous amount of inner healing and self-love work. However, what I found missing in this space was how to move forward and how to actually create um, the relationships that I desire and how do I believe in myself to pursue my life's mission and my purpose and my calling and to be successful. Those were actually some areas that I was really struggling with after really working through all of the narcissistic abuse recovery part and the healing part and the self-love self-worth part uh, i found myself in a space of not really finding a lot of people out there speaking more to the moving forward the reclaiming of your personal power the identifying your own potential to uh really win in love and life if you will how to how to create that and so that's why i have the stance that i do in my own work because i really want to stand for empathetic women getting into the space of creating what you desire and i i love the work that other professionals in the space such as dr romani um does i am a huge huge <laughs> fan of her work. Uh, like I said, she's a licensed clinical psychologist. She's actually uh, been in a lot of media outlets like Red Table Talk. Um, she's been on some Lifetime series um, episodes. She's, she's, her work is wildly known. She's, uh, I believe, some celebrities, actual therapists as well, like Will Smith, the actor and things like that. And so to attend her workshop where I'm learning from her was just absolutely incredible. And I really, really admire the work that she does and how she really gets into the nitty gritty of narcissism and what it looks like. And one of the reasons why I do feel like it's important to learn about that is because when you are still trying to separate your own identity from the abuse, you need to know that information so that you can start to learn how to detach from some of the identities you may have um, taken on from those toxic dysfunctional, dysfunctional relationships. And so Dr. Romani is brilliant at breaking down concepts as it relates to narcissism and narcissistic abuse and even the various narcissistic personalities and breaking those down and what that looks like. And so if you know you're in a place in your world where you really need to learn more about that, um, I highly recommend Dr. Romani's work um, because, like I said, she is an expert at that. <laughs> and again, that's one reason why I personally don't dive deep into that. Although I'm very well versed in that, I know a lot about it. 
Um, Dr. Romney actually uh, works with people who have been diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder. So she's not just someone who is, you know, putting out these YouTube videos and is sharing based off of just personal experience, but she's, she's giving you uh, professional expert insights and information and knowledge based off of her own education, her studies, and also her work. And so it's super good, super powerful. Um, and I really just wanted to share with my own community, you know, what I learned from her in this workshop about gaslighters. Um, and one of the reasons why I attended this workshop is for one, I'm always wanting to hone my skills and my knowledge base as a self-love and mindset coach and a personal growth strategist in this space of the work that I do, where I, I help women elevate their self-love and to reclaim their personal power and to really just create the relationships and the life and the lifestyle that they desire and deserve. And so I'm all about the moving forward piece. And so for me, uh, learning more uh, about just different ways that people can lose self-trust and finding ways to help them regain self-trust. Um, that's a part of my own toolbox in the work that I do. And so I found this workshop to be valuable for me to attend because gaslighting is actually uh, one of the ways that we lose our self-trust. And in fact, I have uh, still experienced that, you guys. You know, I consider myself both a teacher and a student. And so as I am learning and growing and, uh, you know, sharing with my community and my students and my and my clients what I know and supporting them on their own journeys, I am still on my own journey as well as I'm looking to continuously grow, transform, and create the life that I desire. And so... When I am navigating spaces, and for this season I'm in right now, it's a lot of business spaces. I, I am really focused on building right now. And so I am navigating a lot of business spaces and I have actually picked up on some of these behavior traits from people. You know, I've picked up, picked up on some people who have some narcissistic traits. I've picked up people gaslighting. I've picked up on people having some unhealthy ways of being. And so I'm like, you know what, this is just a call for me to go deeper in my own work um, and really lean into that being both a student and a teacher at this time. And so I'm really glad that I attended because it really illuminated my knowledge base um, and really enlightened me but also uh, helps me to, you know, support the people that I've been called to serve in a much deeper, meaningful way. And so let's just dive in, you guys. So first, let me just say, there's no way that I could share everything that she taught on this episode. <laughs> it was a intense workshop, you guys. It was like a three and a half, four hour long workshop. So it was it was intense. It was um, this this was not some, you know, let me sign up for this 30 minute, one hour workshop and learn some basic knowledge. This was very in-depth, um, very deep psychological teachings. Okay. And so I want to make sure I preface this before I go into sharing things, because I am going to share some key things, but it's not all exhaustive of everything that I learned. Okay. So I just wanted to put that out there. So 
First, I want to share the four steps that she really started with. And she taught, she called this the primer on gaslighting. Okay. So for this first step, she talked about how gaslighting is really the theft of your reality. And really this individual who's gaslighting you is trying to deny you of your reality, of your experience, of your instincts, of your perception. Okay. And so this is going back to that example I gave you with the movie Gaslighting back in the, I, guys, I, I promise you, I'm, <laughs> I don't remember the, the exact year. I, re, I really think it was in the 1930s. I'll have to double check that. But really, you know, this guy was uh, denying his wife her reality. He was, he was really manipulating her. Okay. So the second one is them trying to convince you that you are not well, them trying to depict you as mentally unwell, as weak, as foolish, as mentally ill in need of help, that you're paranoid. You guys, when I heard this, it really reminded me of a relationship I was in many years ago uh, with my son's father, where he would call me crazy when I would ask him about his infidelity. You know, he, he was a chronic cheater. Um, he was emotionally abusive and eventually became physically abusive towards me. There was one incident where that happened, but uh, he would call me crazy and he would tell me I needed to go get help. And he really uh, was very manipulative and masterful at switching things around on me. And so really trying to convince me that something's wrong with you. Because how dare you try to call me out on my devious behavior? All right. And so the third one is cultivating self-doubt. And so this is where they repeat a process of cultivating a chronic state of self-doubt in the victim. And so what they do is they, they start to present this narrative to you that there is something wrong with you. You're not well. They're denying you your reality. And what happens is you start to doubt yourself. And this right here, my friends, is where self-trust really starts to get broken down because the moment you doubt yourself, when your reality was valid, when your feelings were valid, when your experiences were valid, when your intuition was accurate, when your perception was accurate and you doubt yourself, this is why so many empathetic women struggle with trusting themselves because when you were right and then you were gaslighted and you went through these steps that I'm presenting to you all and you got to the place where they really cultivated that self-doubt within you, you lost the ability to trust your natural God-given instincts. And so this is why it is so important to restore self-trust before trying to enter into a relationship and trust someone else. I have been working with a client actually who were working on her restoring her self-trust and she's single. Um, she's been married and divorced before and she wants love. You know, she knows that's what she wants. However, through our work together, we, we've done a lot of inner healing, self-love work. And she really came to the realization that she struggled with self-trust. And that was such a huge epiphany for her because she kind of started to realize, man, like I've been kind of doing this wrong. I thought 
because I'm focused and I'm a good woman and I have a good heart and I have a good career and I'm independent and all these that should make me a great candidate for having the love life I desire. But when we were really able to hone in on the root of why she was not getting the relationship of her dreams and she realized she lacked self-trust, that now gives us an area of focus. And so the reason I say that you have to have self-trust before you enter into a relationship and try to trust someone else is because if you do not trust your own God-giving instincts and your own perceptions and your own reality, it's going to be damn near impossible to trust someone else if in fact they are healthy and they are good for you. Because you're going to project your lack of self-trust onto them and you're going to think something's wrong with them. I've heard many women say this before. They're like, oh, is he gay? Because he's not trying to sleep with them right away. Because he's actually taking their time and getting to know them. But because they lack self-trust, they're projecting that and they're coming up with a story as to why this possibly can't be the person or why this possibly isn't right because they don't trust them because they don't trust themselves. Okay. So the last one is indoctrination. And this is where you really start to see, um, the complete breakdown where you no longer trust yourself enough to push back. Um, you give consent to, uh, the gaslighter in a way where it appears like you are coming into agreement with them to the world. So this really can show up in group forms, you know, um, this is where we see like cults, um, organized, uh, organizations, um, even religious organizations, um, social groups, family structures, you know, uh, there's group forms where the person is not kicking back and it appears because they're not pushing back, they're not kicking back. It looks like they're giving consent and that they are agreeing with the behavior. And what happens is this is where the concept of like the flying monkeys comes in. And really flying monkeys is this word that's used to say that the toxic person or the gaslighter manipulates these other people that you mutually know to convince them of their perceptive and their narrative so that they're looking at you as the problem or the one that has something wrong with them and so on and so forth. And so y'all, this is so, this is some deep stuff. Look, we 17 minutes in and I'm just like, Lord, I, I, that was just, that was just the beginning. That was like the first (laughs) 10 minutes of the workshop right there. Um, Y'all was so rich. Their information was so rich. Oh my goodness. Okay. So the language of gaslighting. So some of you may be wondering, well, how do I know if I'm being gaslighted? Right? Like, what does that even look like? So some, some examples she provided was like somebody saying, stop being so sensitive. Um, them saying that that never happened. Them saying, why are you always so angry? Them saying that your mind seems off. You need help. Uh, Them saying, why can't you just let go of the past? Uh, Them saying, stop getting so worked up. Them saying that you are exaggerating. Um, So those are just some examples. Again, this is not all exhaustive. This is not all inclusive, right? These are just some examples, but really it's going back to they are denying you of your experience and your reality, okay? So in the... In the example that she provided, somebody asked the question, well, 
how can you determine the difference between someone who's gaslighting you versus someone who just simply disagrees with you? Because there is a difference, right? So when someone is gaslighting you, they are just completely shutting you down, period. Like there is no openness to your perception or your reality. Now, when someone disagrees with you, they may acknowledge your perception, but they may also say, but I don't agree, or this is what I believe, or this is how I see it. And then those are instances where people merely agree to disagree, right? And so there's an acknowledgement part when it comes to a disagreement, like, yeah, I see your point, but this is what I believe and we'll just agree to disagree. So they're, they're not shutting you down. Whereas with gaslighting, it's a complete denial. It's a complete theft of your reality. And so, uh, the, the way that you can start to discern if you're being gaslighted. And this is, this is one of the parts of my work that I love teaching to my clients and, Again, it, it really goes back to both the self-love and the reclaiming your power piece is getting still with yourself. Getting still with yourself. Now, Dr. Romani did not say that part. I'm going to go in a minute to say some parts that she did share. But this is part of my work. Rama, you got to be still. If you don't have a practice where you are being still with yourself, whether if it's you know, sitting in, some of you know, I call it my sacred self-love practice. You know, I have a, a space in my home that I sit in and this is where I connect with God and myself daily to, you know, pray and meditate and I light a candle and I drink my tea or my coffee or my water, whatever I'm having. And I sit in silence and I journal. There's, you know, different things that I do. Um, and then sometimes I'll go outside for a walk in nature. I mean, there's so many different things you can do to get to a place of stillness. Okay. And the reason why it's so important to do that is because you want to get back in connection with your own self, being in tune with yourself. Right. And so Dr. Romani says that some ways that you'll know if you're being gaslighted is you're going to feel it. You're going to feel it. You're going to feel it in your heart, in your chest, in your gut. It's like that feeling in the pit of your stomach that something is not right. And you guys, I actually experienced this recently without divulging too much detail. But, um, you know, this year has been so interesting as I have been growing my own business and putting myself out there more and really just navigating different spaces more. Um, and so when I was having these sorts of experiences, those were the feelings I was having. You know, I, I have this feeling in my chest and I have this feeling in the pit of my stomach, like, man, that, that didn't feel right. Okay. And so because I have a practice of being still with myself, because I am very connected to myself, I've learned to trust what I feel on the inside. Okay. Now this is separate from emotions. Okay. Sometimes people get the two confused. They confuse their emotions. Like I'm sad, I'm angry, I'm frustrated with more of those, um, intuitive feelings on the inside. All right. So some some traits that Dr. Romney um, really pointed out is that, y'all, first of all, the statistics are staggering. She said that one in four or five people are narcissistic. Not diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder because that's a whole, you know, different um, 
that's a whole diagnosis. That's a personality disorder, but actually narcissistic, meaning that they have either narcissistic traits or that they are a high conflict personality or they are an antagonistic person. And she said these personality traits typically don't change. One in four or five people. And so this is why you have to really get into the practice of being in tune with yourself because with those types of staggering numbers, that means you can run into these people at work, in your family, in your community, in business spaces and networking spaces and social settings, one in four or five people. Okay. And so One thing that I am standing for is for us empathetic souls to be, do, and have what we were meant to while we're on this planet. And I believe a lot of empathetic souls, women in particular, um, kind of get into this world of going to work and go home and that's it. Not really pulling full out in their lives not really creating lives that they love because of this overwhelming, perpetuating fear of meeting a narcissist. And what I really want in my work is to really get women out of that space and into a space of um, fearlessness and really starting to embrace your own power because we do have power We're very discerning. We're very intuitive and really tapping into your own power, gifts, talents and abilities and using it for good because the world needs us. And we can't fear the people out there that aim to destroy people in the world and things like that. We have to be the advocates. We have to be the power sources. We have to be the ones who are promoting positive change. And it's, it's so important to be out there in the world. And, um, you know, for me personally, it's just such a huge mission of mine, but you know, when, when, when Dr. Romney was sharing about this, she talked about one of the most frightening parts of the phenomenon is that narcissistic high conflict or antagonistic personalities. Um, they typically are in positions of authority. And what happens is, is people trust, um, them and they, they have this ability to create these atmospheres where they can isolate you and have you looking like, you are the problem when it's really them. And so it's so important to just be aware of these things because this could happen in your workplace, um, in family systems. I experienced this in my family system um, growing up. Many of you know my story. And so you really just want to be aware, beware and be aware, right? Beware and be aware of gaslighters. Um, and knowing that, there are some strategies to be mindful of this. Um, don't be hard on yourself if you've experienced gaslighting by a gaslighter because it happens to the best of us. The key is to not doubt yourself, to trust yourself. And I'll share more here in a moment about more about 
what she shared as it relates to um, these individuals who inflict psychological and emotional abuse onto others. So she, she suggested that if you are doing these things, it may suggest that you have experienced gaslighting or that you have been subjected to a narcissistic, high conflict or antagonistic person's psychological, emotional abuse. So for one example she gave was writing long emails or texts or um, just something, a long narrative, because you innately know that they're not going to listen. And this is your way of getting your version out. This is your way of validating your reality. And she actually recommended to not do this because they do not care. And that's the thing you have to realize about gaslighters is they do not care about your reality. They only care about theirs. And so you're really going to be exerting energy in vain because no fruit is going to yield from that. And so it's best to really just talk to someone that you trust, whether if it's a counselor, a therapist, a coach, a friend, um, a partner, a spouse, whomever in your world that you trust to validate you and your reality and your experience, because trying to get that through writing these long narratives, either via email or text message or however form, rather even on social media inside of a group, um, it's not going to give you the results that you may be hoping for. The next thing is when she says you're constantly turning to people for feedback. And so this is something I found myself doing anytime I found myself um, being singled out in a group space, whether if it was the family system, a professional setting, a group setting, where I found myself amidst a gaslighter or a narcissistic, high conflict, antagonistic person who was leading that space um, and I was isolated from the group, I would find myself finding an ally in the group and really turning to them for feedback, asking them, did you see what I saw? Did you notice what I noticed? Um, Again, it's seeking that validation that you were in fact gaslighted and that you in fact did experience some form of psychological or emotional abuse. Uh, The next thing is when you find yourself wanting to secretly record them. Now, this is really common in more intimate settings like uh, a relationship or family dynamics or even a friendship, you know, where you want to record them because you want to prove that they are doing this act of either gaslighting or psychological or emotional abuse of trying to, you know, speak to you in a condescending way, or they're trying to deny you of your reality, or they're trying to create that self-doubt. And so you find yourself wanting to secretly record them. Okay. Another sign is when you are rehearsing the conversations. Okay. You're rehearsing the conversations. One thing that I found a sign for me And even for my clients that I've noticed is when you are questioning if you've been gaslighted or you're just questioning what happened, period. You know, you may not even be thinking about the gaslighting part. You just may start questioning what happened. What I find is there's this rumination that comes into play. And rumination is really where you are obsessively thinking about something over and over and over again. And it really consumes your mind. It really takes over your mental capacity. And so when I have found myself ruminating on a scenario or a person saying something or a situation, that's when I know something has happened. And 
I am mentally and psychologically trying to wrap my mind around it. I'm trying to find somewhere to land my feet on. I'm trying to find what happened because it's one of those things where they are so masterful at being manipulative that sometimes it's hard to pinpoint exactly what it is that they exactly said or did that was not right. And that's why going back to Dr. Romney's point that you really want to trust what you feel because you're going to feel it in your heart, in your chest, in your gut. Remember in the pit of your stomach where if something does not feel right, that right there is your indication that something may not be right. Okay. And then the last point that she made is when you find yourself um, wanting to write scripts for future conversations where you are wanting to really prepare for future conversations and you find yourself scripting it out. You guys, oh my goodness. When she said that, I about fell out of my chair because <laughs> I've done that, y'all. I have done that. There have been times where... I found myself trying to script out how I was going to approach someone and what I was going to say and how I was going to say it because I innately knew that if I word it the wrong way, I'm going to poke the bear. Have y'all ever felt that where you just know, like if I come to them because they're a high conflict person, because they're antagonistic, because they're narcissistic, if you say it a certain way, it's going to poke the bear and they are going to come guns blazing. OK, they come guns blazing. And so uh, people who are all about power and control. They are going to be classic gaslighters. And you guys, these are not people you want to go toe to toe with. And it's not saying this is one of those things that I like to believe is about choosing your battles wisely. Right. Like. You don't want to go toe to toe with someone who this is what they innately do. They innately manipulate. They're masterful at it. So just the same as they should not want to go toe to toe with you as the empathetic soul. When you are in your power, you are a narcissist's worst nightmare. I have come across people who I knew were narcissistic. And they're high conflict and they're antagonistic and they turn the other way because I'm in my power and they know they can't get one over on me. They know I read them. They know I can see them and I don't cower down. And so it's twofold. When you are in your power, when you know who you are, when you've reclaimed your power, you're like their worst nightmare. Okay. So. One thing that she said that I also found interesting is she said, all narcissists are gaslighters, but not all gaslighters are narcissists. Ooh, y'all, that was good. I'll say that again. All narcissists are gaslighters, but not all gaslighters are narcissists, which is why I am also sharing this on this episode, because we are in the midst of this. I'm going to call it this virtual phenomenon where everyone is calling everyone a narcissist. And I get it, right? I get it because when you become aware of this phenomenon, it's almost like someone has turned the light switch on after you've been sitting in a dark room most of your life and you didn't even know a light switch was available to you. The light is on. You can see clearly. 
And so I get it. You know, when I first discovered what narcissism was and that I was an empathetic woman and what that meant, um, I, I had the same feeling, you guys. I mean, this was before I even met the mister. You know, I went through my whole little phase where everybody was a narcissist. <laughs> been there, done that. You know, I, I've been there, done that. But what I learned and realized was that uh, I was just in a place of navigating how to reclaim my power. And I was just so gung ho on, I am not going to get got like that again because I had been bamboozled. You know, many times I had experienced different forms of gaslighting and different forms of psychological and emotional abuse from different people, you guys, from family members, from intimate partners, from friends, from um, bosses at work. I, I, you, you name it, I've experienced it. And so when I became aware of this phenomenon of narcissism, I wanted to both shout it from the rooftop but I also became very hypervigilant and that hypervigilance almost was like ignorance on fire. (laughs) You know, it was like ignorance on fire where, you know, everybody's a narcissist and, you know, I was never going to get God again. And so as I have, you know, evolved and learned and I've grown and I've transformed and I'm in a different space, I know that not to be true. Right. Not everybody's a narcissist. And I also have learned to be careful about labeling people. Um, We are in a world right now where everyone wants to label everyone. And while mental health diagnoses exist for a reason and they matter, we have to be careful not to mislabel people when you are not a trained professional. Okay, and that's one reason why I don't go down the rabbit hole of teaching about narcissism in great detail, although I do share my personal experiences and I share with you all just pieces that I feel like will support my community in the moving forward process. I leave the aspects as it relates to the DSM-5 definition and the world of narcissistic personality disorder. I leave that to the clinical psychologist, okay? Because they typically have also worked with those individuals. And so um, I'm very careful about mislabeling people. Now, with that being said, as she said, people can have narcissistic traits. That does not mean they actually have the diagnosis, but they can have high narcissistic traits. And so rather than calling someone a narcissist, What you can do instead is you can pull out the trait that they have embodied or that they have um, projected and then you can call that out. And that's why I really wanted to go to this gaslighting workshop because that is a trait, right? And like she said, all narcissists are gaslighters, but not all gaslighters are narcissists. And so what we really want to start doing is we really want to start dissecting the traits and identifying them. Because if, if you got it all mumbled up, jumbled up, it's going to create a great deal of confusion. But the more that you can learn about the different traits and you can learn that um, what this all means, the more that you can start to empower yourself, the more that you can increase your discernment, your observation skills, and really just protect yourself. So When we're looking at people who are narcissistic, you know, the obvious is they lack empathy. They lack empathy. 
which means they do not care how their treatment affects you. They, they do not care at all. They completely lack empathy. And so, you know, this is something to really look for when you are engaging with people and interacting with people is if you present to them something they've done as harmful, you know, do they acknowledge it? Are they empathetic? Are they sorry? Um, another thing is entitlement. They have this sense of, I have the right to say what I want. I have the right to say what I want. They feel very entitled. I've come across people like this, especially, um, there was a situation where I came across a woman in power, you know, she felt very entitled to be condescending, to be rude. Um, the next point that Dr. Romney gave was arrogance where they know what's best. You can't tell them anything because they're a know-it-all. Um, and then another one, they have deep, deep insecurity. And so sometimes what we notice is with the phenomenon of narcissism is a lot of people think of narcissism in the sense of like, you know, Donald Trump, right? The grandiose type. However, there are different traits of narcissism. You know, there's grandiose, there's vulnerable, then there's those who are over, those who are covert. There's so, you guys, there's so many different variations of this. And so a lot of times people think of grandiose narcissism and they immediately think of people who are like the showboats. You know what I mean? And it's completely obvious they're hiding deep, deep insecurities. But what I have found to be some of the most dangerous forms of the traits are those who resemble the, what's known, Dr. Romney calls it the vulnerable narcissist who resemble the covert traits, which means those covert traits are not obvious. They're very tricky to detect. And so um, one of the things that you can start to look for is their level of control that it's their narrative only. Again, it's going back to the gaslighting where your reality does not matter. Your perception does not matter. And it's only about their narrative only, that level of control. And so what happens when you try to expose them, right? What happens when you try to expose them? So she, she talked about how in group settings, this is where I talked about before the flying monkeys, you know, they, they are very masterful at manipulation. And so they, they are able to get people in a group setting to buy into their narrative, to buy into their perception and way of seeing things and isolating you to be the bad guy. So that if you ever were to expose them, everyone's going to be against you. And this is where we start to hear and see about things called the smear campaign. This is when they speak very poorly about you to others. You know, I experienced this um, a few years ago where I connected with this woman, um, this is when I lived back in my hometown and she and I were supposed to be working together, uh, doing, you know, some business projects and, you know, she basically felt rejected by me because she, she came on to me and I didn't want to, uh, accept her advancements. And what she did, you guys, is she started private messaging people to beware of me. <laughs> so bizarre. Um, and, and, you know, those people of course are very savvy as it relates to this narcissism and things like that. So they kind of had picked up on it and they reached out to let me know, but she was starting a smear campaign because she felt exposed. So that that's something that they'll do. They'll start a smear campaign. They'll try to 
speak poorly about you to others. And then another, another form is just the obvious. They just directly attack you. They just attack directly and they don't hold back. They do not hold back. So a lot of ways that you see, um, this disproportionate, um, abusive behavior is again in family settings and group settings and organizations, um, in a way where they can manipulate the masses. All right. So one of the things that Dr. Romney uh, recommends is that you maintain a written journal, maintain a written journal. And this is for one, this is for a few reasons. Okay. For one is you really want to start to document what you're experiencing. Okay. You want to document what you're experiencing because this is a form of validating your own experience, but it also helps you to process what you experience. And so there are three things that happens when we have a negative emotional experience. We either project those emotions onto someone else. We suppress those emotions within ourselves, or we do what I love to do. And this is something I help my clients with is we transmute those emotions and we turn that into our creative power. And that's where you see like artists and performers and writers or innovators and things like you create from that space. You use that energy and that emotion to create. And so the reason you want to maintain a written journal is you want to get it out. Okay. You want to get it out. And she, uh, she was talking about how in the, the toxic positivity culture, you know, and, really just the spiritual and personal development world, which is something I have spoken against adamantly. You guys know, I actually have an episode, uh, probably from 2020 about toxic positivity. And this is where, you know, this, these people talk about only journal about what's positive. I I heard that from somebody who is, you know, respected in the industry they have a lot of women looking up to them and they talked, they talked about this. Why would you maintain a, a journal? That's like a diary. Kids do that. Very arrogant, very dismissive. And so you gotta be mindful, y'all let, listen, y'all gotta be mindful of even who you listen to these days. Okay. So the toxic positivity culture really promotes just to focus on, um, positive things you know, or what you're quote unquote manifesting. And while I do do, yes, I do believe that you want to have a part of your journaling to be about creation and about tapping into your desires. I do teach that in my work about women doing that. You cannot bypass your real life experiences. We call this spiritual bypassing. It's a form of suppression. It's a form of denying yourself. In fact, it's almost like gaslighting yourself. Okay. And so, um, really just be cognizant and and mindful of, of what you listen to, who you listen to here on the internet, because a lot of people, and some may be well-intended, but when you have suffered from any sort of psychological or emotional abuse, you have to be careful who you take advice from because There's no cookie cutter way when it comes to healing um, and creating the life that you love. And so if you're listening to people who are only talking about, you know, this is how you get to where you want to be, but that's not where you are yet. You have to honor where you are right now in your journey. Okay. And so writing a journal, you guys saved my life, literally 
saved my life. Like it, it helped me to validate my experiences. It helped me to process. It helped me to have an outlet. It helped me to not suppress things and hold things in because I, I was a huge suppressor. I was a huge suppressor. And there's actually this saying that I love to use, which is um, lack of expression due to suppression leads to depression. I'll say that again, lack of expression due to suppression leads to depression. So when we hold stuff inside of ourselves, our mind, our body, our spirit, it's like contaminating your being. And, and you will experience depression. I did for many, many years, you guys. For years, I struggled with depression, debilitating depression, the type of depression where I struggled to get out of bed, the type of depression where I struggled to take a shower. Y'all, debilitating depression. And it was journaling that saved me, okay? So maintaining a written journal, I love that she recommended that because it was one of the, the key tools that saved my life. Um, she also, she also said some things that you want to be very leery of when you are, um, really just looking for a mentor or guidance. And as a mentor, I don't mind sharing this because I want the best for you. I want the best for you. And so she said, you really want to be leery of people who come off as like this spiritual guru, like they know it all. And I'm not saying it from a sense of like confidence, right? Like I feel very confident in my work and what I do because it's worked for me. It's worked for my clients, but I also let you guys know that I'm still a student. Okay. So that's how you can start to detect and differentiate between someone who has put themselves on a pedestal and said that they know it all and they are, and they're all things versus someone like myself, who tells you time and time again that that I am a student and a teacher of my work. Um, another one is she says someone who um, they they rarely help anyone get to any big promises. For instance, online, I have seen so many people promise people like, oh, I'm going to show you how to make six or seven figures in a year, but they give you the same advice that's being cycled around everywhere. You know, they're not really giving you any strategies that are, um, that are really relevant to you and your business because they just care about taking your money. All right. Um, and then she also talked about that mix of toxic positivity, right? Where you just got to stay positive. Like God forbid somebody in some of these spaces I've seen heard this, they probably would call it blasphemy. <laughs> Like, oh my God, I can't believe she's talking about that. Like, yep, I am. Um, so that makes a toxic positivity. And then the other one is blaming people. Those who just blame everyone. It's everyone else's fault. And so those are some things that you really want to um, look for. She also highlighted that gaslighters get their power in numbers. Okay, gaslighters get their power in numbers. So I'm just going through my notes really quickly, just wanting to... Um, share. I want to share one final point, not final point, but final points rather about some, some things that she shared about what not to do when you are dealing with a narcissistic high conflict antagonistic or gaslighter. And she calls it uh, deep, deep. Don't defend. So defend is the D don't engage. 
don't explain and don't personalize. I love that. Don't defend, don't engage, don't explain, don't personalize. Remember, when dealing with gaslighters, you are not dealing with rational, empathetic people, okay? So you you have to be mindful of that. And so when you find yourself wanting to, you know, defend yourself or over explain or, you know, even maybe take their actions personally, you guys, I have been guilty of the personalizing part. When I feel the sting of the gaslighting, it does feel personal. It feels like an attack. It does. Because it's like, who the hell do you think I am? <laughs> right? But when I take a step back and I step into the role of the observer versus the absorber, many of you have heard me talk about this um, before, where you really want to master observing versus absorbing. So the O-B-S-E-R-V-E versus the A-B-S-O-R-B. Okay. So you want to observe what's going on, not absorb it. And so when we're taking things personally, typically what I have found is because we've absorbed their toxicity. We've taken the poison. Um, we've drank the poison. And so what you have to do is you have to step out that and you have to look at it objectively, almost like you're looking at something from this out of body experience like hmm that's interesting that's interesting that you're acting like that or that you did that um and then she said the next thing is to stop justifying their behavior and to stop self gaslighting okay so oftentimes you know when you have experienced a lot of gaslighting from someone what happens is you internalize that behavior and then you start to gaslight yourself and that is really, you know, going back to that self-trust, you know, your self-trust is completely broken down. You're talking yourself out of things or you're blaming yourself. It's, it's just, it's not a good place to be in. And so you have to stop justifying their behavior, stop making excuses for their behavior. Um, so really when we are looking at gaslighters and uh, just, you know, being mindful that they do exist. It is out there. Um, if you do experience gaslighting from someone, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are a narcissist. However, like Dr. Ramani said, um, all narcissists are gaslighters, but not all gaslighters are narcissists. And so going back to the point I made earlier, this is where we really want to start to look at the traits and the behaviors and just start calling that thing out. Um, I think it would help a lot of people to stop mislabeling and labeling everyone as a narcissist and really just start to look at the traits, you know, are they gaslighting? Are they manipulating? What are they doing? Because the more you can identify the traits, the more that you can understand what's happening and, you know, step away if you can from these people and protect yourself. So <sighs> take a nice inhale and exhale. <laughs> You guys, like I shared that what I shared with you all was probably a fourth of that workshop, a fourth of that workshop. And, you know, we're here at 55 minutes here into the episode. And um, I know I shared a lot and that was only like a fourth of what she shared. And like I said, it was so rich with information. I was glued to my laptop and, you know, taking notes and you know, going over everything, but I wanted to bring the information that I took away, just some key points for you all in hopes that it will 
help support you on your journey. If you do find yourself in a space of still in the healing and recovery phase, I believe that the healing and recovery could be a lifelong journey. You know, I, I talk about the lifelong journey a lot. Um, but what I love about the work that I do is really getting to the place of personal power, personal power and potential and really starting to create a life we love. I believe what happens when we have experienced psychological and emotional abuse by narcissistic people or gaslighters is that it robbed us of our power and potential to create lives and relationships and careers that we love. And so what I love about my work is really just helping empathetic women to reclaim that power so that you are actually in the mode of creation. Um, like I shared earlier, I believe all of the information out here serves a purpose. Um, I believe we have so many experts who are very, very gifted at what they do and they have a very strong and in-depth knowledge base. And so if you find that um, this whole phenomenon of narcissism is still a bit confusing to you or you're not quite sure, you know, how to identify things, I highly recommend going over to Dr. Romani's YouTube page. She has a lot of valuable videos. They're really short, but they're very comprehensive to help you to really get a grasp on the phenomenon of narcissism. Um, if you find that you are on the journey and you're wanting to get to the place where you're creating the amazing relationships and you're creating the life that you love. I call it winning in love and life. Um, you know, you want to build this legacy for your next generation where they're not having to break generational curses. Rather, you're passing down a new legacy blueprint. Then I invite you to come join me in my free Facebook community, The Empowered Self, Win in Love and Life Facebook Tribe. So... I am there, um, I have a community there, nearly 500 women so far where you can come and join us. And uh, I do live streams inside of there and master classes inside of there to help us to win in love and life. So thank you for your time. Thank you for listening to this. I hope that it was enlightening. Please let me know what resonated with you and what points that you're taking away from this episode. And I'm looking forward to seeing you inside of the Facebook group, The Empowered Self, Win in Love and Life. Take care now. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please make sure to subscribe, like, share, and leave your review for the podcast. To learn more, go to www.cassandraaustin.com.